Good evening, pedophiles. If you're just joining us now, Hogs Worldwide have gone to the polls to cast their votes in the grand final of the 2023 Kill James Bond 16 James double bondation between Master and Commander and Starship Troopers. Joining us live now is Abigail Thorne, reporting from a packed polling station. Abigail, what's the feeling on the ground about this? How are the voters responding to their first ever democratic election? Thank you, Devin. Uh, as you can see behind me, a lot of people are very excited. Uh, there's a lot of tension in the air. There has been some fighting over the course of the evening, but uh, the police have mainly kept uh, the hogs in line. Um, everyone is now just waiting with bated breath for the results of this first election and uh, hoping that it can bring peace to the region. Fantastic. Thank you. Feel free to stay on the line for the next guest. But it's not all celebrations. While some scholars are hailing this election as a landmark victory for the historically unrepresented hogs who have previously lived under a total content dictatorship, there are fears that this democratic election may be anything but. Joining me is Alice Caldwell-Kelly. Now, Ms. Caldwell-Kelly, thank you for your time. You've been a UN election observer for well over a decade, and I believe you were earlier quoted as having called this the most blatant attempt at voter manipulation you've ever seen, uh, both from influential hogs, and even the hosts of the show itself. Would you care to expand on these comments? That's right, Devin. I think ultimately the main takeaway from this is this is a clear attempt by the authorities to suppress the popular insurgent movement of Cars 2 again. Mm -hmm. And of course we condemn the crimes of Cars 2 again. They must have a role in any meaningful electoral process. There is no solution that does not include the possibility of Cars 2 again. Um, and by forestalling that, I worry that the chances of Cars 2 again in some ways increase. Very, very dire warning of things to come here. Mm. Thank you. Are any of these allegations true? Are these fears unfounded? Would these two final movies even be the two that were born out under a truly democratic process? We may never know. But if the exit polls are accurate, we may be about to see an episode of Kill James Bond about Master and Commander. Welcome to an episode of Kill James Bond. I am Commodore Alice Caldwell Kelly, joined, <laughs> as always, by my subordinates, Captain Abigail Thorne and Sailing Master Devon. Howdy. Oceans <laughs> are now battlefields, <laughs> battle baby. baby. I'm, I'm <sighs> subordinate, apparently. That's new. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, listen, I, I figured you would be fine with it. Um, <laughs> Master and Commander, it won a fair and totally unrigged mm -hmm, process, mm -hmm. as you alluded to earlier. <laughs> we certainly weren't quote-tweeting everything, being like, 
Do your Master duty, man. Do you want to yeah. see a guillotine yeah. in Piccadilly? Things also, like some this. of the hogs might not be on Twitter. Uh, so, as a thank you for... Yeah, you just might <laughs> yeah. have no idea what the fuck we're talking about. Six minutes of nonsense yeah, up to, front. To yeah. celebrate 1.5... No, 1, 5, 5 million five. downloads. 5 million downloads. Uh, we had Whoa. an election on Twitter to choose the topic of our next episode. And you, whether you voted or not, whether the turnout was high or low, you voted yep. Master and Commander the far side of the world. <laughs> You've legitimized this. Yes, yes that's right. <laughs> This was the main fear of Hog Republicans is that we would use this to legitimize Master and Commander. Mm -hmm. um, yeah, and I, you know, I hope you know what you've done, right? Because what you've done by voting for Master and Commander Far Side of the World is you have walked into a trap, right? On two levels. On one level, you've taken away the possibility of a live show with all of us in period naval costumes. It's a shame, because I have that. Huh. But on another... I'd like it. You have entered into this on the assumption that this was going to be yeah, it's the dude's rock movie analysis. No, you have entered into the Thunderdome with the it's not like the books analysis. <laughs> I will be talking for three hours uninterrupted. You cannot silence me. Why does Stephen Maturin not wear his characteristic periwig? It is an integral part of his character. It is iconic. It's like Aiden Pierce's cap. Everything about this movie is literally unwatchable. Has nothing to do with the O'Brien novels. Also, dudes do dudes don't rock in this film. In fact, I think the very question this film is asking is, do dudes rock? Oh, I have a thesis, and I'll say this thesis right up front. Mm -hmm. Americans cannot be trusted with this fucking movie, mm -hmm. right? On God, you. they cannot. Because I um this it, it's regularly a thing on Twitter. It's regularly a thing that like you know, this is why I got votes on Twitter. I think about the GQ article. Why are so many guys obsessed with Master and Commander, right? Which is, oh, it's it's like a dude's rock thing, right? Um, no, no, I mean partially, but no. I, I, I think the thesis of this movie is that dudes rock, but not always as they choose to. <laughs> the, the rocking of the dudes is constrained by their material conditions, mm. right? Um, yes. And, and sometimes the ways that the dudes rock are very, very compromised, something which we as a feminist podcast are very familiar with. Uh, this is this is a masculine power fantasy uh, in a lot of ways, uh, and you know, sort of grandiose, and it's it's a lot like James Bond. Mm. Um, I think you said I'm, you said very well uh, before we started recording that the dudes they do rock, um, but mm. that what was it you said? Male friendship makes inhuman conditions oh, oh, bearable. Yes. But yes, the male friendship reproduces those, those yes, inhuman conditions. It reproduces the inhuman conditions, and it mm -hmm. always does that with a body count. Mm -hmm. And that's what we're going to see over the next hour and a half and change, is male friendship makes it possible to survive the fucking uh, Oaken death machine, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. But So, Master and Commander. Yes. Um, first of all, we've got to talk about the titles, because it's the first thing on screen, mm -hmm. and... Man, I can't pretend these aren't really good. Mm -hmm. um, it's a hard thing to start the movie with. It really is cool. I'm sorry. It, it, it's it, Listen, it's all the exposition you need. And one of the reasons why the novels are so good, again, you have a counter on the side of the thing or something. One of the reasons why the novels are so good is ding. because, because uh, O'Brien never, ever explains anything. Right, uh, and so he just like, thro like he throws in some nautical terminology and never explains it. This... It explains stuff, but it's very, very spare about mm, it. And mm -hmm. so all you get at the beginning is, you know, 1805, Napoleon is the master of Europe. Only the British fleet stands before him. Oceans are now battlefields. Uh, Luke Skywalker is, is on half. It's not called execution. It's called retirement, etc. Yeah. Dad, speak. <laughs> well, <laughs> this is the thing. You can contrast it with the Star Wars things because the Star Wars things are much longer. Uh, they give you a bunch of information you don't need to know. Um, 
and it's it's sort of like it loses pace. This keeps pace throughout because mm. it's, it's like a leftist meme. The Star Wars mm. opening. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and this and this writer's meme is how it feels to kill Frenchmen. Um, yes, I, which I is happen to think that Star Wars is a good franchise. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I mean, the thing I, is, I think right, historically, it has been. I think also we we can't sleep on the the other opening title, the one immediately after this, mm-hmm. which introduces the ship, which is mm. HMS Surprise, twenty eight guns, one hundred and ninety seven souls, north coast of Brazil. Mm. Which again, it sets up stuff in a way that you really, really mm-hmm. like need, as opposed to like every spy movie we watch, where like there's a big shot of the Eiffel Tower and then it goes Paris, France. Mm-hmm. You know? Yeah, this is a very minimalist setup here. You get. Yes. Purely what you need to know, which is, this is a British ship, it is 1805, Napoleon is the master of Europe, mm-hmm. the British ship is hunting a French privateer that is attempting to bring Napoleon's war into the Pacific Ocean, and their mission is to stop him. Yes, That's it. the French privateer Acheron, or Acheron, Acheron, yeah. uh, the, Acheron the river of woe in Greek mythology. Um, by the way, this is like not... Well, because they also changed it from the book. In the book, it's the Americans, and it's the War of 1812. This should be USS Norfolk. Oh, um, my. But they, they worried that in the course of adapting this, this is adapted from two of the novels, um, that they would lose the Americans if the Americans were the bad guys, mm-hmm. which is a shame, mm. because given the way that the French are depicted in this, and I have some thoughts about yeah, that. Yeah, me too, actually. I, I think that a straight adaptation of this would have been one of a few things that could have really made Americans see outside themselves. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think they've kind of been robbed of that. Mm-hmm. Um, but so, we begin in the ship, and... Who's suggesting oh, we're inflicting a hermeneutical injustice on Americans by allowing them to continue believing everyone believes they're the heroes? <laughs> yeah, yeah, genuinely. Um, I think so. But, but so, we, we begin in the ship, and the ship sets are... Perfect, mm-hmm. like magnificent. Yeah, uh, dark, cramped. Um, th- one of the first shots we get is like hanging bags of powder, and in quite a sort of O'Brien-like move. It doesn't identify those. Uh, you're like, what the hell are those? No, no, no. That's the shit that's going to power all of the like uh, all of the fights later on. Mm. It's also nice that we start in very early morning. It's not something a lot of people give thought to, is what time of day is it when your film starts. And it's nice that it's like the half hour just before everyone's waking up. So we get to see a little bit of the ship's routine and how things yes. work as everybody is waking up. Um, and they are yep. they uh, are entering a fog bank. Uh, the watchman reports that he like maybe heard a bell. And there's this young officer called Warren who comes down and we get to see everyone saluting the officers as they go past. There's this very clear divide mm-hmm. between officers and enlisted men or sailors. Yes. Is that and right it's, it's, it's sailors ratings, right? Um, so here's the thing, right? We, we, we have our, our officer of the watch um, who, is, who is assisted by another officer. And these are midshipmen. Midshipmen, I, I, I have to explain this here. Lots of countries are fucked up enough to have child soldiers, right? Of course. Only Britain, only Britain is fucked up enough to produce child officers. <laughs> yes. <laughs> only Britain. Be- That's what it says be- at the start. <laughs> That's right, because uh, like uh, because promotion in the navy is based on seniority and it's based on uh, like time and service and it's you know very very few promotions as you go up. There there was an incentive to get your children into the navy earlier and earlier. Not at all uncommon to be on the books at nine and at sea at twelve. Well, yeah, yeah we see it. We see it later though. on. There are like children on board. Yes, mm-hmm. yeah, fully. Um, Who are not I mean, just like they're you know playing like they are part of the navy. No, yeah. they are they are very junior officers. Um, what if they were at home at this point? They'd be in the mines or the or the fabric mills anyway. So like, yeah, kids are working point. right now. This is eighteen oh five. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And I mean, y- you can ask 
plausibly some questions about I mean, the, the British military still lets you join at, I believe, 16. Yes, that is um, true. Which it doesn't let you deploy until you're 17, I don't think, but even still. About 17-year-olds, is they're still minors. <laughs> yeah, alarming. Mm. Um, but yeah, so they're in the fog bank, and the officer of the watch is this midshipman, Hollam. Yes. And Hollam <sighs> believes that he sees a ship. Mm-hmm. And the thing is, right, and I'll get to this later, this, this is a film that is not really about how dudes rock. It's not even really about the thing that I said about social reproduction. It's in large part a horror story about command. Yes. Right? Because I, I'm interested in thinking about this as a film about command, because that, that, that was the thing that I wanted to do mm-hmm. for a long time. Mm-hmm. Right? Like essential part of understanding Alice's psyche is I spent most of my teenage years thinking, okay, I'm going to be an army officer. Yeah. Right? And Hollam is this sort <laughs> of tragedy of command. So, <sighs> oh, Hollam. Yeah. He's watching yeah. the thing. He's like, it's, okay. it's a dense fog bank. He's looking yeah. around. Uh, he gets the briefest glimpse of mm-hmm. the Acheron. It could have been anything. It could have been a yeah. shape moving. Yeah. Everyone's yeah, like, yeah. make the call. And he's going, fuck, it's better to I, make I, it. I, I, you know? I have the drop. Yeah. I can't be certain. You're officer of the watch. Hollum, you must make a decision. I mean, the first, the first thing we see him do is, in a perfectly understandable way, is mm. hesitating. And this is the thing. To, to make the right decision is a question of training. To make a decision is a question of leadership. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And, and he Hollum doesn't make one. Doesn't, no, he doesn't no, make no. the call. It's the guy who's saying his, that to his, him. His buddy makes the call. Makes the call. Yeah, Calamy. Mm-hmm. Uh, Calamy, who's another midshipman, mm-hmm. uh, makes, makes the call. They beat to quarters. Which um, is Navy for get ready, I assume, based on yeah. what we see. <laughs> wake yes. the lads. Yeah. Yeah. They, they, they wake up the lads. Shields up, red alert. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I put a lot of this in, in Star Trek language to help me understand it. So this is kind <laughs> of like yellow alert. Yeah. Yeah. They go to, they go to yellow alert. Um, <laughs> That's right. And, and they wake up the boys. Most notably, they wake up the captain. The biggest yeah. boy of all. Here's a boy captain I like Aubrey. to see. Uh, and the the contrast here in the way that he moves, his bearing, is uh, throughout. I would say, if you, if this is a word, officerly, mm-hmm. right? Yeah, it's a fucking uh, good performance from Russell Crowe. You you do yeah. occasionally have to hand it to him. It's it's like absolutely confident. Mm-hmm. Um, and so so Aubrey comes up to the the foredeck. Um, and first of all, he reassures Holland that he did the right thing, mm. even though he's not certain. Yeah. Um. He's and, like, it's better to be ready than to be like caught completely with our pants down here. Like it's fine. Yes. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. And we see that he he looks into the fog bank. Mm, not sure. Bit bit dubious. Bit dubious. And then you get the like flash of cannon fire, um, mm-hmm. which is fucking terrifying. Yeah, it's really I, cool. I don't <laughs> think a film has got cannon as well as as Master and Commander. Hundred mm-hmm. percent has. Yeah. I'm happy to be corrected if anyone wants to say to me, like, you know, Sergei Bondarchuk did a better job with um, uh, with Waterloo. Sure, maybe. But for, for this, I think, no, really, really, the yeah. sound design alone. Yeah, it's good because um, you good. see the explosion long before the cannonball hits you because it's this heavy bit of fucking iron that's coming. Mm. And like, they do a really good job of making sure you see that a lot of these injuries are shrapnel based. It's not just mm. getting hit by the cannonball, there's like splinters. Mm. Like mm. it's hitting a wooden ship, and you are stood within it, like mm. explosions. Yeah. Of fucking cool. We we do see that one of one of the children, the the like the youngest midshipman, I believe, Blakeney, who looks about what fourteen. Yeah, yeah, um, if that. 
Yeah, it's sort of like uh, we we like focus in on his eye as he's like you know, pushed down into cover. This is going to be an important thing. It's like Blakeney is like a, a witness to this stuff. Mm -hmm. uh, it's kind of like a Bildungsroman in a lot of ways. He's meant to Blake. be a kind of like innocent guy. Yeah, 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 yeah. Who is introduced to the world of Dude's Rock by having a bunch of people like butchered with shrapnel in front of him, and he yeah. gets like two pieces through the arm. Yeah, he he gets um, his arm like fucked up. Um. And uh, we also see down in the infirmary uh, our surgeon on board is Paul Bettany, yes. guy we'd love to see. That's a fucking guy I love to see, baby. Oh, okay. I have some problems. Oh. So Paul Sorry. Bettany, he's, he's he's a fine actor. He does a great job with this role, right? Um, the books, it's not like the books. So St Stephen Maturin, the the character. Thank you. The character that he's playing, um, it doesn't try to like grapple yeah. with that at all because there's a few things there one of which i'll get into later but the the main thing about this and i want to say this early is stephen maturin is meant to be ugly he is meant to be like physically repulsive it's like a key part of his character he has to live in a separate house from his wife because he keeps bringing dead animals home to dissect he's an ugly dude and this is the thing right paul bettany not an ugly man. Not an easy man to make look ugly if you were trying to. And I, I think partially you have this desire to make them relatable and photogenic, but I think also there's this kind of thing where, even as early as 2003, it was not possible to make a living and get the kind of roles as an ugly actor that it might have been in the past. Yeah, right? true. Um, I, I think there was this niche for character actors who were like very strongly featured in a way that, uh, you know, is not photogenic, is not necessarily appealing, you know? And it's not like, uh, it's not an insult, right? Mm. No. I, I, think it's, I think it's genuinely, like, affected our kind of our view of ourselves, our sense of self, that um, we don't really see that on screen so much. If you were a, sort of like, if you were Pete Postlethwaite, say, today, mm -hmm. uh, I think you might, you might struggle to, to achieve the same kind of prominence. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, and that's why we get like 1960s woman dysphoria, right? Mm. <laughs> we keep noticing in old films, like people don't fucking look like that well, on screen anymore. I, I, a lot of the thing is, a lot of modern movies, and I'm going to be very careful with my wording here, a lot of modern movies are quite... They've got a big cast and all of them have to look like leading men. So yes. the character yeah, yeah, yeah. actor is a very, very, like, it's, it's dying away as a, as a role. They're all, getting, they're all getting older. You yeah. Know? Fingers crossed, they're going to bring that back. Um, that would be yeah. that would be really useful for me. Um, so I mean, I mean, this is this is the thing, right? <laughs> like, one of the things about Stephen Maturin as a character in the novels is the fact that he is ugly, the fact that he is repulsive, but the fact that he is also, as we later then see, profoundly decent yeah. and mm. loyal Wise. and brave and brilliantly intelligent. Uh, and the fact that his friends are sort of like required to like see these things in him and still like you know mm. confront the fact that this guy smells bad as hell. Like yeah. he's wearing the, the same coat covered in blood all the time. Mm -hmm. That's a really interesting piece of character work all round. And I think we lose the ability to relate to that when we have this expectation that everybody, even the you know, yeah, uh, even the sh uh, the ship surgeon on like just a nothing vessel in eighteen oh five. Is gonna be like a ten out of ten smoke show. Mm. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So he's he's treating casualties, and yeah, we got a red alert, and we we ready phases. Um, <laughs> there's there's an interesting little bit I want to I want to pull out here, which is there's um, they don't use quite as much fake blood as they could do. Yes, but they they use a, an interesting substitute, which is uh, Maturin is like 
he asks for more sand on the floor of uh, yeah. of his his cabin mm. because it's it's getting soaked with blood. Mm. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I, I I really like that. Yeah. So yeah. in a later scene, they use just like spreading sand on the floor as shorthand for like there is yes. about to be blood, and I really really yeah, enjoyed yeah, yeah. that. Yeah, it's really cool. You can just you can just be elusive with this stuff. Mm. It's fantastic. But the boys um, the boys take a pasting from the Acheron. Uh, the rudder do. is shot out. They're taken on water. Uh, they're fucked basically so they decide to hide in the fog bank and they have to like get the men in lifeboats and like tow the ship by rowing it to run away which I was mm. like fuck mm. wow that must have been like difficult yeah <laughs> and, and and throughout Aubrey's elan his like his charm is infectious right it's- yeah he's like he smiles when he says to the, the younger officer he's like run up the colours it's like it's <laughs> he's, like, yeah, he's, he's fucking enjoyed himself like, he's, having, he's having a great time mm. yeah mm-hmm. yeah yeah um, meanwhile, poor Blakeney with like shrapnel through his arm, he sees like this horrid old sailor's giant hold fast knuckle tattoos. Mm-hmm. Hell yeah! He goes in. First of all, um, yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. This is this is Mister Brain Surgery, who we'll get to later. Oh, we'll, yeah, we'll yeah, get yeah. to because he he also gets injured. So yeah, they escape into the fog bank by the skin of their teeth, um, and and Aubrey kind of debriefs with Maturin, uh, not his you know any of his officers, but you know his yeah. surgeon. Because uh, they're friends. Mm-hmm. And the vibe is, well, we got our asses kicked, but at least we're still alive. Like, it could have yeah, gone worse. This yeah. is sort of a post-match analysis scene where they're like, yeah, <laughs> we got fucked here, boys. No shame yeah. in it. We got absolutely royally yeah. fucked. He's, he's like, you know, what, what's what's the butcher's bone? It's like, oh, like nine dead, 27 wounded. And They have this officer's dinner where they're like, okay, well, we got our asses kicked. The French have a tougher ship, longer guns. She's like, she's really fucking good. Uh, they also had the yeah. advantage of of the wind direction. Um, the wind gauge, yes. Yeah, yeah. yeah and so it. we've established that like Brits are an underdog, and the vibe from the other officers is, well, at least we're alive. Let's just kind of limp home and and like cut our losses here. Um, and <laughs> then like, Russell Crowe's no, like, no, boys, no, 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 absolutely not. You know. Um, but so the thing, the thing about the conversation with Maturin first though is that mm-hmm. uh, Aubrey kind of suspects that they've been betrayed. Right. The yeah. reason why. The the Acheron was able to find them was uh, because of you know uh, like human intelligence, shall we say? Yeah, this is interesting. Maturin says, well, the French have their spies in England and elsewhere. As do we." And this is the thing: this movie was robbed of having sequels. This is the one thing that like dudes rock people on Twitter are right about because mm. this is a kind of sly bit of foreshadowing that engages with another part of Stephen Maturin's character in the books, which is that he is fairly often a spy, right? This is not something they do in this movie because they don't get the chance. It's it's an aspect of his character that they don't adapt that I think it signifies that they wanted to later. And I have some thoughts about... Because the thing is, right, this, this movie is in large part about um, masculinity and like as a, as a form of like service, as a form of fidelity to empire. And mm. the central tension here is between... Aubrey's sense of duty, which is, uh, you know, violent, martial, loyal, and Maturin's, which is humanistic, naturalistic, pacifistic, even. And at times, like, almost insubordinate. In fact, openly insubordinate. Absolutely. Absolutely. We'll we'll, we'll get to that. Um, But this is the thing. One of the things that the novel does to make that, the novels make do to make that interesting is that Maturin is is compromised by Empire too? He is like also mm-hmm. in its service in a, in a more direct and more directly violent way than being a surgeon. And this this movie, I think, in not doing that, it, mm. it, it sort of 
it's made itself a purer kind of like distilled version of it, but it also it it loses a bit of sort of moral complexity. I have to say, um, I have a different reading on that scene. I hmm. I because I'm not having had that context. Sure, I read this as like okay. Captain Aubrey is like he's pissed off and he's like somebody must have betrayed us uh, he's kind of hot headed and he immediately decides we're mm. going to stay and we're going to go after the Acheron over yes. the course of the film one of the things he learns in his character arc is patience um, mm. and trusting and I think this is a nice way of showing us at the start he's like oh well you know there's no way they could have beaten us in a in a sort of fair fight somebody must have set us up like we've got to fucking get those Frenchy bastards and like I don't know if sure. it's nice sure. um, um, so the plan is we're going to we're Gonna keep going after them, even though we're outmatched. Um, but in order to do that, Mr. Blakeney needs to have his arm cut off. Mr. Blakeney. Yes. Uh, all, all the officers are referred to as Mr. Mr. Surname. Mm-hmm. Uh, mm-hmm. <laughs> um, so, uh, yeah, Blakeney has two pieces of shrapnel through his arm, which therefore needs amputated, which is done viscerally He's and awake. horribly. Mm-hmm. Uh, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, and... This is the scene that they, they set up by, like, they put Blakeney... D- he's, he's talking to his, his mate Mm. Who I've got the name of somewhere. Higgins? Uh, maybe. Calamy? Oh, Calamy. That's the one. Um, the slightly older one that he's, he's mates with. And he's like talking about how like if you die, they when they sew you up in your hammock, they'll pass the final needle through your nose just to double check mm. that you yeah. aren't dead. And he's he's like going, hey, if I die from like having my arm broken hip, don't let them put that shit through my nose, man. Mm. Yeah. Um, and we we cut straight from that to him being put down on the table and like the sand being spread around the table, and you you understand that something very bloody is about to happen to this poor lad. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And and they cut off his arm. Mm. Um, it builds tension really well. He survives. The, the thing about this, uh, GQ mm-hmm. says, overall the masculinity of Master and Commander is overwhelmingly positive and wholesome. Wrong. Any, <laughs> any, Incorrect. Did you watch any the movie? Nostal- <laughs> <laughs> Any nostalgia for the traditionalism in the movie is less reactionary and more about the healthy male bonding between the characters. Um, what? No, no, the lack wrong, of healthy male wrong. bonding is uh, the plot of this it film. Actively kills like half of the guys that don't die directly yes. in the gunfight is like bad male bonding. Mm. And we'll get to this very, very much the villain of the later. film. Actually, yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. So, so you see this this boy being sort of like brutalized into manhood, mm-hmm. and the male friendship here, such as it is. Is Maturin being sympathetic and kind to him? Yeah, uh, you know, and, and sort of like reassuring him. Mm-hmm. Which, again, this is the thing. Like, yes, it makes the process of having your arm cut off more bearable, but it's still like that's the guy who's cutting off the fucking arm. He still well, he also he praises him by calling him brave. Yes, specifically. Mm, yes, yes, yes. Which mm. is like the virtue that you need to continue being of service to Empire. Um, then we get a very nice scene where uh, the captain comes and he gives young Mr. Blakeney a book about Nelson, who, of course, yes. also lost an arm. It's this mm. like really nice acting from Russell Crowe here that he is obviously mm. concerned on a personal level for Mr. Blakeney, but like tries to sort of yeah. hide it and keep it buttoned up, which I, it's just really nice. Yeah, it, it's quite awkward. It is. He doesn't quite know what to say to him. Mm-hmm. What do you say to a fucking child who's had his fucking arm blown off in, in yeah, service yeah, of yeah. you? Like, yeah, if, if you don't want to say, I'm sorry that that happened, it, it's very difficult to find something to say. Because he doesn't really say that, because he, like, ultimately he's kind of not <laughs> sorry that it happened. Yeah, yeah. It's like it's, Blakeney sort of looks at him with his one arm and he's like, Will, you condemn her mass. Yeah. Um, and he refuses. So- <laughs> <laughs> no, so he the, the cult of Nelson also something we'll get to. Yes. Um but 
my next note says Paul and Russell play gay music together. Oh wait, hold on, hold on. First, before we got to fix up the ship a little bit. That happens true. while the ship is at being fixed. Th- this is this is important too. That we go from Blakeney getting his arm cut off, mm-hmm. the figurehead getting like recarved. Yes, mm-hmm. and there's also a bit in the wardroom earlier where where Aubrey is like, "No, we're going to go after the the Acheron." Where Maturin says, "Why isn't the ship old?" Uh, and Aubrey says, "Well, would you call me and like an aged man of war?" Um, this movie is not particularly subtle about the idea that man and ship are one, mm-hmm. right? Uh, the 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 ship and and the boat. Uh, in fact, it's one of them. One of the officers even says of Aubrey that you know he's he's served on the ship for so long he has like so much blood embedded in it. It's part of his family. Yeah, <laughs> might as well be a relation. That's right. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I mean, my only note here is that uh, most modern men wouldn't be able to repair their vessel at sea nowadays. Um, <laughs> which to be, and they do like they repair it at sea. Yeah. That the decision is made, but rather than going back, uh, rather than putting to land to like get trees to repair your shit up, they're just going to use like wood from about the place. And they do a phenomenal mm. job of it. You see, like mm. craftsmen at, at work, like carving the the decorations into this fiddle, like so it can slot back mm. into the place and. Some of the damage control stuff is still current in the Royal Navy of today. They're like, uh, like uh, sort of a, uh, a, a patching a leak with like oakum and like two wedges of soft wood, still absolutely current. You know, you can mm. see it on YouTube. Um, but yeah, so. Yeah, I really um, recommend it because it's cool as fuck. <laughs> it is cool as fuck. <laughs> um, but we then we, we spend some time in the captain's cabin mm-hmm. um, where. He is playing the violin while Maturin is playing the cello. And them playing together is gay? Ro- romantic. Yeah, it's gay. Yes. It's gay. gay. It's homosexual. It's gay. Homosexual. <laughs> it is, it is, yeah, it's absolutely it's absolutely romantic. It's absolutely intimate. Um there is one bit of like cinematographic detail I like here, which is it cuts to like a long shot, like tracking around the anchor underwater yeah, interesting as shot. they're playing. And I, I think that was genuinely inspired, just mm-hmm. to sort of like pull back a bit, right? And to, nice, to sort of yeah. give shot. you the, the, the like context of like, yeah, this whole closed system of this mm-hmm. ship, you know, is, is is sort of like being uh like sort of undergirded by the like intellectual relationship between these two men. Mm-hmm. Yeah, really nice. Also they're fucking on each other. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Um, they, um, yeah. At this mm. point, um I have a note, a question that perhaps you can answer, Alice. And the note yes. is what is the status of the black crew members? Because we do see usually in crowd shots mm. there are one or two members of the crew on board who are black. Only one of them who is unnamed ever has any lines. He has like two lines later on. Yes. But we are we are in eighteen oh five, right? We are. Two years before uh slavery first became illegal in part of the British Empire. Um, so, uh, black crew members are not slaves here, but they're also not free because sailors are not free. Um, this is something that we'll get to with the sort of discipline stuff later on, but in general, these are uh, men who have been press-ganged, uh, possibly from other ships, possibly from their homes, we don't know. and. They are under military discipline, so they are sort of not free in that sense, but there there isn't a formal racial distinction here, no. Mm. 
Interesting. There's also so, a, a blink and you'll miss it moment where the yes. captain is writing a letter to his wife. You'll have to pause yeah. the screen to find out her name, but she's... Sophie. Sophie, uh, Sophie Villiers. Mm. Um, so Sophie is not a character, she is a locket mm -hmm. and a name on a letter. Um, again, this movie should have had about 50 sequels, because uh, that, that it, like, novels, people think, oh, it's, you know, it's, it's like Master and Commander, it's just gonna be boats. No, it, it is in large part, but about half of them are sort of like on land doing Regency novel shit. You could slot these guys into Jane Austen in places. Mm. I will say that is one of my major complaints with the plot and pacing of this this movie can be directly sourced from the fact that it is three novels out of 20 being adapted because there are <laughs> yes. no less than two points where you can really tell that one novel ends and another has just started because the stakes get mm. hard reset. Yes. Yeah. Um, and when you know that it's adapted from Freeboot, it becomes very difficult to not spot that. Mm -hmm. mm. Uh, so so they, they trade with some uh, native Brazilians. Mm -hmm. I'm comfortable calling them Brazilians, but for clarity. Yeah. The, this, these are the only women yep, in, there are, in the movie. Yep, two or three women here. Don't get attached. Uh, they are the only yeah. women you will see the entire time. Yes. Apart from the figurehead of the ship. Yes. Um, who is the only woman who gets a close-up. Um, but yeah, so the, these kiss. women... That's true. <laughs> uh, the, these women uh, are sort of... Ex they exist to highlight the absence of women and the distance of yeah. Sophie Villiers from... Jack Aubrey. Mm -hmm. And then we, we move on. We get another wardroom scene, and I engage perhaps the single finickiest historical accuracy note I've ever given. <laughs> <laughs> no, I want to hear this, though, because I'm I, interested. I, I, I will I, ding. I, I said this, but... I said this, and I, I got the reply back, are you an 18th century naval officer <laughs> in the body of, of uh, 21st century trans woman? So uh, th th they do the they do the toast. They don't do the loyal toast first, which is bullshit. Um, but it's 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 uh, to, wi to wives and sweethearts. May they never meet, which means it's a Saturday. It, interesting. Could have done you know uh, each film with a different one of those. My favorite is Thursdays uh, to a bloody war or a sickly season. But. Um, in the course of doing this, listen, there's a toast for every day of the Seriously, week. Seriously, I thought that was so organic sick, banter. Dude. You're telling me that he's no, telling me Captain no, no, Aubrey's no. shit is pre-written by someone else? My man's just copying the Wikipedia page? Like, H-Bomb's doing four hours on Captain Jack <laughs> stealing his fucking patter? Like, come on. It is set by day. That's oh, so they, funny. They've, they've changed them, so it's woke now, right? But really? It, ah. you, <laughs> Okay, yeah, now tell me about all tell of this. Me, tell, me so right, tell me the whole right. I'm so fascinated by this. Off the top of my head, I may get these the wrong way around. Um, you can't complain if she does. Monday is our ships at sea. Tuesday is our men, which because of woke, because they let birds in the navy now, is like our sailors, I think. Yuck. Um, That's cool. When Wednesday is ourselves, with the reply, because no one else will take an interest in our welfare. It's just randomly quoting the Kumbahi River Collective in the wrong name. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Thursday is a bloody war or a sickly season because promotion in the Navy is always based on the guy in front of you dying and a bloody ah. war kills off a bunch of junior officers and a sickly season kills off a bunch of aged senior officers. Ah. Friday is a willing foe and sea room. Saturday is wives and sweethearts may they never meet. And then Sunday is absent friends. That's that's not the big like thing that I'm objecting to here. Mm -hmm. I know, but that was so nice and thank you. <laughs> you're, you're so welcome. The thing that I'm objecting mm -hmm. to here, Captain Howard, the the commander of Royal Marines aboard, correctly passes the port decanter to his left 
but he lifts the bottle, he lifts the, excuse me, he lifts the decanter from the table. Literally unwatchable, even if he's not supposed to be a naval officer. <laughs> Unacceptable conduct in a naval mess. What should you do? What is the correct Don't answer? Pick that shit up. You slide it, you slide it along, so you can lift it to pour, and you pour for, for the person to your right, but you, like, you slide it across the thing because you're on a ship and the decanter is gonna, like, you're gonna drop it or it's gonna fall, mm. break something. Oh, of course. Um, it is, it's, it's a naval, it's a harmless naval tradition. <laughs> so, <laughs> we also get a little bit of, a, of, of Nelson here because- Yeah, some more Nelson oh, chat. Yeah, Somebody yeah. says, uh, yo, Captain Aubrey, you met Nelson, right? With like one eye, one armed dude, Trafalgar, that yeah, dude. Yeah, yeah. Um, mm. And they're like, could you tell us a story about him? And he's like, oh, yeah, he was weird. He told me to pass the salt. And also his patriotism kept him warm. Yeah, he, uh, he, he does a big like showmanship thing about this. It's clear that he's been mm. thinking and practicing this where he's just like, oh, the f I met him twice at dinner. The first time he, when he spoke to me, he, he looked at, actually, no, he just goes, I met him twice at dinner. Um, yes, and yeah, yeah. I served under him uh, uh, at the Nile. The Nile, thank you. As a junior officer, no, no older than you are yourself now, Mr. Blakeney. Um, and then eventually one of his other coxswains of some description goes like, hey man, can you just like give us an anecdote about this? And he goes, ah, oh, mm. the first time he, we were at dinner and he looked across the table at me and he said, Strawberry, you pass me the salt. <laughs> Everyone laughs. And, ah, ha, ha. and the yeah. second time he gets, he gets real sentimental about it. And he's yeah. like, he was telling me yeah. a story about how an, uh, someone offered him a, blanket on his ship and he said that he doesn't need it because he's warmed by his zeal for king and for anyone mm. else you'd go shut the fuck up <laughs> <laughs> but for nelson yeah. you almost believed it and everyone's like enraptured by this yeah and this is the thing like leadership and the thing is it's, it's a function of self-belief right and self-confidence mm -hmm. uh and nelson's self-belief is so overwhelming that he can say the dumbest shit you've ever heard and you're like yes sir thank you're you like sir. fuck maybe i guess yeah i, 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 <laughs> I, I guess his love for king and country does keep him warm. paul bettany Mine is doesn't. skeptical my hatred for yes. king and country keeps me fucking warm <laughs> <laughs> tell you that. well i might I, my new video is about this i might like my country if it just fucking liked me back it would be nice mm. wouldn't it i don't know yeah. I, I i exist in a complicated and somewhat abusive dom sub relationship with my country this uh, is nothing and it's an aside on an episode that's going to be too long anyway so cut this if you want to Tom. Be like However, three hours <laughs> i was watching the um business insider like things about like a, a rare kind of salt and they were interviewing this person who like makes this, <laughs> okay, this salt right, right? no yeah. it's such good watching genuinely they're like so expensive and still standing on business insider wonderful yeah 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 um but she was like talking about how the her government had like put in a bunch of like legislation to try to protect the the traditional trade that she was a part of and she looks at the camera and says like so so genuinely my government wants me to be able to make a living doing this and i punched the wall and was like, wouldn't it be fucking nice mm. to have any amount of confidence that your government likes yeah. you, wants you to keep doing what you're doing, wants you to keep Socialism breathing, with a human wants face. you to live, yeah. I don't know, things like that. Anyway. Yeah, <laughs> but, but so um, uh, he expresses skepticism, as you say, and then what happens is that Dr. Maturin gets, gets weaveled on. <laughs> he, clowned, yeah, he, gets, boy. he gets fucking clowned on, dude. Yeah. <laughs> I genuinely would fucking walk off the side if someone hit me with this shit. Yeah, it's, it's a shitty pun because uh, Aubrey is, he, he makes puns, he does this, it's one of two things he does along with like fuck up proverbs. Um, 
and yeah, he 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 shows him two little weevils that are crawling out of their horrible bread, and he's like, you know, which which one would you choose? And he leads Maturin up the garden path of being like really looking at these fucking weevils. He's like, well, if glasses. you had to choose one, which would you do? And Maturin naturally goes, well, I'd choose this one because it's it's a more robust weevil. It's it's slightly longer, probably goes, stronger. Got your ass. Do you not know? He's sort of like cracking up in the midst of this. In in the service, you must always choose the lesser of two weevils. Everyone around the fucking Just captain's table goes right, insane. Yeah. Incredible. Yeah. <laughs> it's over for Maturin. It, he's done. <laughs> you can make these yeah, kind of yeah, jokes yeah. when you're the captain and everyone's just like, <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. ah, it's so funny. No, like, and then it's, Maturin's just like, fuck off. <laughs> it, yeah, it, it, it could be bullying so easily, but the mm. fact that Maturin takes it in kind of baffled good grace yeah is... just be like shit you've really got me there somehow it's <laughs> like yeah yeah what uh, this is this is the thing that i do like about maturin in this movie is that he is baffled by everything nautical is just like what yeah what huh yeah <laughs> there's, there's like a point you... later on where people cheer uh, and he goes clearly something very fascinating and nautical has just happened uh... yeah it's very funny um so Fucking so we also enjoy. have to see as as the wardroom, as the mess are having having dinner, so too are are the ratings. Mm. And they are singing sea shanties. Hell yeah. And as Aubrey comes aboard, they stop singing just in time that poor Harlem. Poor Harlem, he starts he joins in mm. and mm-hmm. he is he is in this guilty of an excess of feeling. Officers do not sing, and you are not friends with your men, mm. right? And this is the thing where he fucks up again. Mm-hmm. And Aubrey just kind of like lets it lie, like he just goes, mm. Mm. "Well, yeah," because Paul Bettany has this great line where he's like, "Oh, because because Holland starts joining in with the sea yes. chanting, and yeah, all yeah. the men fucking stop because he sings like yes. a pretty boy." And they even change mm. the song. He's an officer, yeah. You know, yeah. Um, and Paul Bettany says, "What a wonderfully true voice Mr. Holland possesses." And then the captain's just like, "Indeed." <laughs> oh, Mr. Hollum. Brutal. Uh, yeah, the crew will remember this. Yeah. Um, also, uh, Mr. Brain Surgery Man, who uh, had his brain surgeoned earlier on by Paul Bettany, who was not wearing yeah. gloves, uh, nope. speaks at this point. Um, he was oh, not yeah. expected to survive, and at this point, he like starts mashing oh, up the Bible. Portentous yeah. piece this, of shit. This motherfucker. Yeah. This guy gets yeah. his brain operated on. Um, it's really good. All the guys are stood around. He's doing this operation on the this. deck to get full daylight on it, and he's just like takes mm. a slot out of this guy's skull. He gets it trepanned with one of those Like you can buy to take a big wadge out of something. Anyway, yeah. And everyone stood around, they're all looking at him, and they're going like, he's so fucking good, this guy's great. Mm. Meanwhile, it cuts in and he's like, pass me the spoon. Yeah. As they note, though, he is like unusually, un- unusually gifted for a naval surgeon, mm. uh, where your average naval surgeon is more, is like closer to barber than surgeon yeah. at this point. Where they're like, oh, he wouldn't, wouldn't charge us less than 10 guineas if we were on land, that was one of the mm. lines, I think. I always have a soft spot for surgeons in any fiction because my dad was one. So if there's ever a surgeon, I'm just like, that's the good guy. You should read the read the novels. Uh, Stephen Maturin, he's, a, he's an interesting surgeon. Um, but yeah, this is this is the guy with the hold fast tattoos. Yes. Um, at this and, point, sail ho. Yes, yeah, sail detected. Mm. Um, oh, we, we've is, picked up something on long range scanners, Captain. This and <laughs> long range scanners being my eyes. But we, yeah. there's there's a scene earlier on where we find out why the surprise survived all the cannon bolts and things like that because the Acheron, you mean? Uh, sorry, the Acheron. The surprise is, of course, uh, the boat that's the protagonist. Uh, mm. The Acheron, why it survived all of that shit is because it's got a thick hull, and we find this out because. 
during the peace, um, one of the guys on the ship was in Boston for a wedding, and he happened to see the Acheron out of water, and he described it to one of his other boys, who built a perfect little model of it, and they go the and boys give are that so good to the captain, and I'm like, lads. This is beautiful. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah. yeah, this is this is Wally and Nagel. Mm. Um, by the way, they're kissing. Uh, don't 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 get attached. Don't get attached, but they are uh, kissing. Yeah, they are also fucking on each other. Um, but yeah, so so they learn they learn that like this is why the Acheron is like unusually fast and sort of unusually strong. The, the, and Aubrey's like in love with it. He's he's yeah. he's my my note is that this the Navy requires every captain's special interest be boats. Because he's like <laughs> holding it up and he's like, Look at it, it's bluff above the sea line and trim below it. This is the future, mm. boys. What fascinating times we live in. Yes. And I'm like, um, hell yeah, man. <laughs> Anyway, sorry. <laughs> no, no, no. Um, so, Might so, yeah, say the, the Acheron is Galaxy class. The surprise is California class. They, they, they get they get ambushed by the Acheron. Yeah, again, the Acheron and... drops out of warp. It was hiding behind a moon, and have... uh, they they pick it up. We have a fantastic bit where he like uh, Aubrey like uses his telescope. And he sees his glass, and and he sees the captain of the Acheron on his foredeck, looking at him with his. And this is the thing, right? This is another relational aspect of masculinity. I think people are mistakenly but understandably jealous of the male friendship in this movie. This this is male enemyship. Yes, yes, this is male yes. enmity. And this is honestly so if you're it's so good. fucking if you're in a sword fight with a guy and he's like, you know, I knew this day would come, fantastic. Yeah. Yeah, it, it's also gay as fuck. I, I think often about the the Kate Beaton comic where the you know you have the duel with the pirate and the guy sort of like his his doublet splits open. He's got to lock it with your face around his neck, and you're like, <laughs> my god. <laughs> I think you, what you're spending all day and night thinking about another guy, like yeah, because you think gay, about cause, the cause enemy pirate gay. captain. You're like thinking about him. And you're like, this guy's good. He's fucking outplaying me. He's got a great ship. Mm. I love this guy. I want to kiss him. Actually, so, so I, I I do like that Aubrey just under his breath says, "This is the second time he's done this to me. There will not be a third." you can have an enemy if you're a woman like you can have you can have an enemy oh I do you can have a female nemesis I know you do yeah. I do. Mm. Uh, it's a but, different kind but, of psychosexual I think to have a female nemesis than to have a male one I, yeah, I hope maybe. she wears a locket with my face on so um, <laughs> I know she does not uh, send my enemy one <laughs> at this point <laughs> at this point face. I know she does not anymore <laughs> Aubrey deploys what I have taken to calling Lucky Jack's child endangerment raft. Yes. Um, <laughs> I wrote yeah, they go scrap heap challenge on his ass. They put him in they put him in a shuttlecraft. Yeah. <laughs> Are you gonna keep doing this even if neither of you <laughs> I haven't it. seen much Star Trek, but they, keep it going. It's they, good stuff. They, they create a shuttlecraft and they, they have like little lanterns and barrels on this like makeshift mm. raft and they, they mm. stick a junior officer on it. I think it's Wally. Calamy. Calamy. It's Calamy again. Yeah. Um, they cut it loose and then it has like lanterns on it so it looks like the back of their ship and it allows them to mm. slip away into the dark it's very clever yeah and yeah, Calamy does a, does a fantastic job he like swims back he's very brave everyone's very proud of him he, he again looks about 16 I, th my next note for this is just it, it's not even plot related it's just that I, I note all the officery stuff in this as I do every other movie and there's, there's a bit later on where uh, like one of the sailors makes some sarcastic joke and uh, one of the midshipmen goes like, yes, thank you for that, Davies. And it's just like, uh, yeah, teaching, being a naval officer, the handshake meme, mm -hmm, you know, mm -hmm. you, you just 
cut the wind right out of someone with some like light sarcasm. Mm. It's great. It's good fun. <laughs> um, the men are superstitious about the Acheron. Uh, in particular, Mr. Mm. Brain Surgery is like, oh, it's the phantom, oh, it's the devil's... such a fucking asshole. It's the I mean, Mr. Brain shit. Surgery is kind of Bible-obsessed and superstitious, mm -hmm. and Mr. Brain Surgery identifies that the problem is that they have a Jonah. Mm. And the problem with it, like, so they have someone aboard who is bringing bad luck like the prophet Jonah, mm -hmm. and therefore we must throw him off the ship, like the crew of Jonah's ship did to Jonah, where he got eaten by a whale. Where again, he he was like, he was a prophet, whatever. Um, yeah, <laughs> right, I, I, will, I don't think they're getting the correct biblical later. lesson, but they want to. Mm -hmm. Yeah, uh, they um, find this guy and they go throw him off. The but ship. this plan using the shuttlecraft kind of works because in the morning they've like snuck around the back of the Acheron, and now they have the weather mm. gauge advantage, and they're hunting yes. them down. Ha ha. <laughs> This is, this is really good. stirring stuff. This is this is for me the best action bit of the movie. Yeah, uh, they're chasing uh, them. Yeah, like yeah, they, oh, they the chase them so around cool. Cape Horn. Yeah, um, is that what does that mean? Other than there's a big storm, I know where it is, but what does that mean in like why is that significant? Okay, so so th th there's there's two capes: the Cape of Good Hope and Cape Horn. Um, if th they're trying to go around, I may have forgotten which cape it is. Right, I, I think it's Cape Horn. I'm gonna pull this um, up. But they're they're trying to go around it because the Acheron wants to enter the Pacific. It is Cape Horn. Um, and if they round Cape Horn and enter into the Pacific, they will have like uninterrupted access to sink, burn, pillage, and take as a prize the entire British whaling fleet in the Pacific, uh, which is going to give a huge economic advantage to Napoleon in the war against the British. Mm -hmm. Oh um, yeah, I guess that like, if you've got the one warship in the whole fucking sea, yes, that's your yeah, sea, that's baby. That's basically it, man. Yeah, that's, that's exactly it. Yeah. They've they've found themselves in this kind of like situation uh, where they are like the Battle of Samar, where they are. Unexpectedly, the last line of defense. Um, and the the thing about the capes is, uh, by virtue of position and geography, they have extremely rough seas all the time, extremely strong winds. Uh, they are famously very difficult and very unpleasant to navigate. Uh, to the point that you, you know, it, it's one of the things that you can kind of get like bragging rights for as a sailor. Again, in Royal Navy mess stuff, if you're not about allowed to put well. your elbows on the table unless you have rounded, you get one elbow per cape. Um, so if you have rounded Cape Horn, you get to put one elbow on the table. If you've rounded Cape Horn on the Cape of Good, you would do nothing but putting that elbow on the table, though. When you sit down, you're like, oh, I'm, I'm yeah, just how we do it. Everyone yeah, on so. the table. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. I've got around three capes. I've been <laughs> this, these scenes are so cool when they're like sailing through the storm and everyone's like pulling on the ropes and like the oh, way so the sick. wind machines and the rain and stuff. I've made a note here that I can't read out loud. Um, but yeah, this scene's fucking rock. <laughs> I, I love a heavy sea. I love them. Mm. Um, mm -hmm. So so yeah. Um, <laughs> For a second, I thought you meant like the word cunt. Yeah, well, we do. Cunt. We love a heavy sea. Uh, we do love a heavy sea. To be fair, uh, here on, on the Kill James Bond podcast, we do. <laughs> so so Warley, Seaman Warley, the one who uh, saw happened to see the Akron being built. Mm -hmm. um, he is uh, he's he's captain of the mizzen top, right? What that means you don't is don't want to be captain of the mizzen top. <laughs> yeah yeah yeah. It means he's got to be up in the like the the top. Like a masthead bit. He's the guy whose vomit is falling on you. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Um, and the mizzenmast, which has been repaired by, mm. uh, you know, at sea rather than mm -hmm. going into the the rainforest to completely replace it, and which the carpenter, Mister Lamb, says, you know, I will not vouch for this around the Cape. Snaps. Mm -hmm. Um, and Wally is hurled into the ocean. Yes. Um, 
an important where, point is that Mr. Holland was just asked to go up and assist him. Yes, yeah, yeah. And he gets halfway up before it snaps. This isn't this isn't Holland's fault. He like, hesitates for a second. He's being asked to climb the mast in like a forced eleven thousand gale. Um, yeah. It is it's impossible to ask of him. I gotta tell you, he, I'd hesitate. I'm not yeah, even a little the, fruity boy, and I'd hesitate. Well, it's kind of lucky that he does. Well, am, it's not like it would have done anything if he. I mean, he no, would have been no, killed he would have just too. Been if in the sea as well. Yeah. Yes, but that everyone hears him be ordered to do it, and everyone sees him hesitate. Mm-hmm. Is the thing. Um, yes, and once and again, they like the crew Wally. will remember this. Wally is popular. Yes, yeah, because um, he's, a, he's so, a ten out of ten twink. Yeah, so so the ten out of ten twink, he's like sw- he's trying to swim to the wreckage of the mizzenmast so he can like sort of climb back aboard. Um, and the the wreckage is it's acting as a sea anchor. It's it's turning the ship off course. Um, and you know this this will this will doom the ship. The ship will founder. Um, if it mm-hmm. if it's sort of like tacks yeah. wrongly here, Aubrey, um, Aubrey's being uh, informed that he needs to choose now whether like if they're going to have to sacrifice that one guy in order to save the rest of the ship. Mm-hmm. Needs yeah. of the many. Uh, you did uh, again. Leadership commands about making the hard decision. Mm-hmm. Um, he orders and, it cut you know, loose. As, he as, does it himself as the male too. fantasy. The mm-hmm. thing is, you know, it's the fantasy is that you are Aubrey in this and not Wally, mm-hmm. right? Yes. Um, so if. You know, I don't know you would 100% percent be Wally. I gotta tell dude, you, dude, I know rock. my place. <laughs> yeah, well, Wally, Wally is drowned, uh, of course. Mm. Um, and well, well, actually, you know, not to bring up Star Trek again, but like uh, mm. the we we see I in guess. Star Trek Lower Decks what happens if you are not mm-hmm. Aubrey in this, but you are a friend of Wally's, because like part of Mariner's arc in the latest season of uh, of Lower Decks is being like, no, Captain Picard fucking sent my friend to her death. I fucking hate that dude. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you never hear from the red shirts. They're probably pretty mad about this stuff. Mm, yeah. Mm. So they have to but, cut. They yeah. have to cut him loose, and he dies. Yeah. Um, well, I don't know. Maybe he maybe he survived, floated no, on the wreckage, died. and went to Brazil and shagged. Mm. To Tierra del Fuego. Not not. You mm. don't want to. <laughs> the the crew are kind of like listening in as Aubrey talks to Maturin about this, and Aubrey knows perfectly well that the, the crew are going to sort of take this poorly. Mm-hmm. He knows that they, they have to do it. And uh, he sort of asks Maturin, have you heard any kind of like stirrings? You know, because <laughs> mutiny is, is, is a real possibility on a, on a Royal Navy vessel. This is the first time where anyone acknowledges that these guys are not there voluntarily, mm-hmm. by the way. And, and Maturin says, You see, I'm rather understanding of mutineers. Men pressed from their homes, their chosen occupations, confined for months aboard a wooden prison. Stephen, I profoundly respect your right to disagree with me here in this cabin, but I can only afford one rebel on this ship. Which is really getting to the heart of it, isn't mm. it? Your, yeah. your, your, non, your non-violent or non-directly violent masculinity is only acceptable as an indulgence, uh, or an amusement, mm-hmm. um, or something that facilitates the kind of the the social reproduction of the you know mm. the hierarchy as it is, right? But Paul um, Bentley says, you know, the men men would be loyal to you always. Um, but mm. you know, considering that we are kind of outgunned on the Acheron anyway, maybe we should have turned back a few weeks ago when we had the chance. It's like, is this really about your duty to country, or is this mm. has this become personal for you? And this Captain Jack nice. like denies that it's personal. Well, he does admit that he has exceeded his own orders. Yeah, this is this yeah. is where I guess he was only told to follow them as far as Brazil. Mm-hmm. He's exceeded yeah. his orders weeks ago. He says, mm-hmm. um, uh, as, as he says, you know, it's, it, it is subject to the requirements of the service. Yeah, mm-hmm. this some, some this is one of those moments. Like 
um, Maturin's like, well, I mean, hey, are you asking me if there's any, if I've heard any whisperings as your friend or as a member of your crew? Because if I'm a member of your crew, I would say there's nothing I hate more than an informant. Mm. It's, it's, it's interesting the dual role here that Maturin has to play um, yes. to Aubrey. More, more interesting if you make him a spy, read the novels. Um, but yeah, so <laughs> ultimately, Nagel, uh, Wally's boyfriend, yes, um, having sort of now believed more strongly than ever that Harlem is the Jonah, uh, is insubordinate to him. Um, he he doesn't salute. And he like he shoulder checks him, you know. Um, and th- actually, there's a thing before this. There's one last aftershock before this, which is. Uh, when when they're um, uh, like God, what's the word? When they're holy stoning the deck, um, Hollem is sort of supervising, and he hears them talk about him negatively, and you know the, to like impugn his command or whatever, and he backs down again. Horror, mm-hmm. right? You have to, like jump on this stuff like immediately, uh, and and he doesn't. Because he's scared and because he feels guilty, um, and so of course it escalates and and sort of Nagel is insubordinate to him. Aubrey picks it up immediately um, because again to be the captain of a Royal Naval vessel in the eighteen hundreds, yeah, you have to be constantly alive to the po- to the possibility of mutiny, right? Um, and, and he's like, no, I have I have to have him uh, flogged. Like this man yeah. in irons. Sorry, I think yeah. we've skipped yeah, yeah. forward we'll massively here. Have we? Yeah, they, they, that, none of that happens until they go to the Galapagos. After. Oh god, damn is that it. The case? Yeah. Yes. Yeah, no, it is. It oh. is. Uh, I, I've I've fucked up my. To be honest with you, here. the thing is that I had such a good time watching this movie that I actually don't have a ton of notes. Um, one of my notes here is just like, okay, man. I don't know what the fuck that was about. <laughs> yeah. Uh, <laughs> but, yeah. Oh no, yeah, I know yeah. exactly what that was about. Actually, I'll say it when I get to. No. Okay. Fine. Okay, so, right. so we'll, we'll 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 book this for later. Yeah. The the point is that for now, Hollem is kind of like he is a marked man. Yeah. He's, he he has failed to like confront this thing that is brewing against him again. I mean, this movie um, is very long, and it does sort of hammer home the same sort of points. So we could probably breeze through this bit fairly quickly. So like they go yeah. around the Cape, and then the captain's like, "Yo, bet you ten quid they're going to the Galapagos Islands because mm-hmm. there's fuck all Whaling. else out here." Right. Yeah. Um, so that right, that's where they're going to be. Uh, we're going to go there. And um, Mr. Mr. Paul Bettany is like, "Yo, I'm uh, Charles Darwin hasn't been invented yet, but yep. I think maybe I could invent Charles Darwin because um, I'm an amateur naturalist." An amateur naturalist, mm. yeah. And I, I think Maturin as a naturalist kind of verges on the profound, right? Like, t- together, these two men are a dialectic which will deliver the world we live in, right? <laughs> Better and worse. Um, you, you have, the, like, the, the, the scientific rational, and you have the kind of, like, uh, you know, martial, that you can plug it into whatever fucking dichotomy you want, of like Dionysian Apollonian, all this shit, right? Um, but yeah, no, uh, Maturin, <laughs> Maturin has, a, like, a really... A really sweet joy of discovery, right? And so the second he's like, we're going to the Galapagos, he comes up on, on deck in his gay little what? kimono. Yeah. <laughs> and Russell Crowe promises him... And Scratchy compose a dramaturgical diet. <laughs> it's true. Russell Crowe promises him a few days on shore, yeah, um, yes. and then at this point we One get week. this fun scene where it's just like, 
Mr. Blakeney is talking to Paul Bettany and and like Paul Bettany's telling him about uh, you know insects that disguise themselves as sticks or as thorns or whatever. Phasmids. Um, yeah, and uh, we get this line which is just like, hmm, evolution. Because Mr. Blakeney's like, does God make them change? And Paul Bettany's like, yes, God does make them change, but do they also change themselves? That's yeah, the that's question. right. And I wrote, okay, man. <laughs> and again, it is it, it is heartbreaking that Blakeney's two sort of like uh, surrogate parents, right? His mum and dad mm-hmm. uh, are you know all, all very mature and. And Blakeney is is sort of better off as a scientist, yeah. right? But already he like he belongs to the Royal Navy, mm. um, and and so as much as he can be interested in these things, you know, it's it's not kind of it's something that is kind of like foreclosed on mm. him. Um, when we get to the Galapagos, there's all sorts of lovely critters. There's marine iguanas and flightless cormorants, which Paul Bettany is particularly taken with. Um, yeah, but nice. uh, but that geo ass stock footage of iguanas. Yeah, um, but they pick up some castaways who were whalers who were sunk by the Acheron, mm. and they're like, "Oh, she was here yes. a couple of days ago." And immediately the captain's like, "No, fuck, we're not going ashore. Sorry, I'm breaking my promise to you. We've got to go and do more yeah. war." Subject to the requirements of the service. Yeah, they know? have this argument, <laughs> and it's just like war comes first. Slash, you never pay attention to my hobbies. Yeah, they, they have it's this so like, conversation. It's, it's the about fight this. in the rom com. Yeah. Mm. They have um, the conversation about this. Like they're like, well, I mean, this is important. Like this is you. You promised this shit to me, man. Like I don't know why you do this. And eventually, Aubrey snaps and he yells, "We do not have time for your hobbies. Mm-hmm. Your damned your hobbies, damned sir. hobbies, sir." Yes, he uses the big um, big D. He does use the big big D. <laughs> um, and and uh-huh. and yeah, so he he goes off and sulks. Um, and you're like, damn, are they ever going to get back together? Um, so they chase the, the they chase the yes. Acheron off into the sea and they immediately get becalmed. Yeah, they are be- get becalmed, idiot. Is my <laughs> <name>. <laughs> um, yeah, so so they I'm are, afraid they are be- you informed me that you had zero jokes in your <laughs> notes. Yeah, I did, I did, but I wrote down "get becalmed, idiot." This is the uh, point so- where the men are like, "Yo, Holland's the Jonah," and this is yes. where I'll tell you who's becalmed us. Yeah, this is where mm. Wally or whatever the fuck he's called shoulder clocks him Wally. and then gets flogged oh, no, as a result. Na- Nagel, 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 yeah, Nagel shoulder, shoulder, shoulder Wally's checks dead. him. Um, yeah, and, and and Aubrey's only means of of restoring discipline, and again, this is against Maturin's objections, and Maturin mm, objects yeah. as a kind of like enlightenment liberal that like, mm. uh, you know, this is uh, it, it, it is brutal, um, which he concedes, and Aubrey's like, no, men men must be governed, yeah. um, you know, this, this, is not, this is not anarchic, yeah. you know. Um, Again, hits different in the books when you realise that uh, Maturin started out as a Catalan like anti-Bonapartist rebel. Um, but yeah, so so the, there is one way of like restoring naval discipline, which is to have horny. Nagel flogged. It is not filmed as horny, not no. intentionally. No, um, it, it is horny, but it like not horny. intentionally. Um, yeah, they only give um, him twelve lashes, and yes, is that a lot? Sharp had a hundred. I feel yes. like it's a lot when you're getting lashed. I mean, na- I know, naval, la- lashed. <laughs> naval uh, lashes. Naval lashes. Nine tails. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, true. Na- yeah. Na- naval lashes are different. There's different provisions based on like age and stuff, which is a sort of uncomfortable thought given some of the ages going on here. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, no, this is it is something that potentially could kill you. Um, and I, once you're getting into lashes and double digits, you're into the like, uh, the, you will not be a sailor anymore because you are, you know, kind of dead. Um, so th- this is it's sort of you much of need the back muscles to do a lot of the sailing stuff because it's yeah, involved yeah. Like pulling. Oh yeah, um, if those have been flayed, then yeah, plausible, plausible stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, so so he is flogged, um, and then again in the kind of command horror story here. 
Aubrey sends for Harlem oh. and tries to. He doesn't get it, man. He doesn't fucking get it. Okay, so so this is this is what you would what you would call in the argo an interview without coffee. Um, <laughs> it, it, it's it's something that you you might see preceded with the words "your hat, my office now." Um, mm. It's. So it, it's gentler than it could be, right? It, it is clearly like this is a bad business. Like you have fucked up serially here in order that it has, that, you know, yeah. for it to have come to this, you have fucked up so bad. You have dude. allowed an immense um, amount of insubordination to already happen. And yes, you have to yeah, put yeah. your foot down so hard now in order to stop mm. this. Yeah, and not not by being a tyrant, but by like having self confidence. Yeah, and we see Holland like we we see his face, and my boy is thinking, I can't do that. No, no, <laughs> no. I'm not in a position where I, I can self confidence. Do that, yeah. Hol- Holland. Holland, <laughs> by the way, he's gay. He's mm. fucking gay. Yeah, but so he's, is the he's, captain. Yeah, he's but still he's a, a different kind of fruitier yeah. gay. <laughs> He, he's he's still a midshipman at almost thirty, which is sort of he's failed almost to scandalous. Pass the lieutenant yeah. twice, we hear. Yes, yeah, and it's and it's not because he's a bad sailor, as Aubrey says. It's because well, he's a bad officer, right? He doesn't have the quality of leadership within him. Something I used to worry about a lot. Um, you, this is like fine. You, for a guy like me, would love to just be one of the sailors. <laughs> yeah, you just you, also you, you do you don't. Have yeah. this ability. Thank you. I, I can uh, tell. Ab- You're this very well. <laughs> to lead people, mm. and it's not like they gave them leadership training back then. It was no, very much no, a kind of because, no, like, no. if you if you are somebody who does not have it in you to lead other people nowadays, you can learn how to do that. There are like techniques and classes mm. that you can do, and like, yes, some people you are can talented. find in any airport. Yeah, <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, some people have a talent for it, but leading people is is a skill, and managing a team is a sure. skill. But back then, it was just like, no, you're a gentleman. You should be born with this, and if you don't have it, there must be something fucking wrong with you. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah, yeah, hundred yeah, percent. Um, and that thing that's wrong with him, by the way, is being gay. To be clear, be, yeah, <laughs> just want to be so but, clear. <laughs> he just wants to be has, liked, and then the guys yeah, like, yes. they're not supposed to like you. They're no, supposed to respect you. You are not friends you. with your men. Yes, yeah, exactly. They have a this parasocial a, relationship with you. They do not really <laughs> know you. This is exactly the problem yeah. that I would have as well. Is mm-hmm. I'd be like, well, I want the men to like me. I want the men to think I'm their mate. Um, but you can't <laughs> let that happen because they'll no, call you a Jonah and throw you off the boat. That's right. Um, but so so what happens is that the he 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 goes back and the crew reproach him by way of like obsequiousness, uh, dumb obedience by by like sort of very very elaborately saluting him every time he goes past, um, which again is a thing you can you can clamp down on, but he doesn't. He walks through this gauntlet of men saluting him to the point of having a panic attack, um, where he go he goes and he hides in the gun room from this. Um, and again, again, I, I, I write, you know, the dude still rock. Right? Is this a healthy <laughs> hey, set yeah. of male relationships? Just checking on the dudes rock guys here. How are we feeling yes. about this? <laughs> they, they seem to be pretty steady, actually, immobile. In fact, mm. there's not a lot of rocking um, going on. But the dudes are becalmed. The dudes yeah. are becalmed. And, and so the next, the next dog watch, he, he, he comes up, and you know, um, it's, it's Blakeney's watch because Blakeney has to be witness to this. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, uh, and he's like, Euro was very kind to me. Uh, this is a, a system of social reproduction also, that is based on violence. We also see that below decks, like they are going, like Mister Brain Surgery has decided that now is time to finally be like, it's him. We all know it's him. 
You know, the He's Phantom, the Jonah. Phantom appeared on his watch. Like he was about to go up the mast when fucking yeah. whatever his face drowned. Like yeah, yeah. like this. Every, both times he's been on watch, the phantoms appeared. He went up the mast. Like I guarantee mm-hmm. you, if he goes, if he's on watch tomorrow, we're gonna see that boy again. Mm-hmm. When, when Maturin actually confronts Aubrey when he says, "You know, you believe this." Yeah, <laughs> yeah. You are and, also falling prey to the superstition. And Aubrey says, "Just like he just he dismisses it by going, some things are beyond science,' and leaves." And you like he believes this. He thinks that that Hollem is is somehow a Jonah. Yeah. And when yeah, Hollem... Hollem goes to the doctor, and, the, and then Paul, Paul Bettany's like, "There's nothing wrong with him," but he believes he's cursed. And the captain's like, yeah. "No, maybe he is." It's like what? And when yeah, Hollem like, curse? goes up on 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 the deck to relieve uh, Blakeney of his watch, Blakeney's like, I, "I'm sure it'll start blowing again tomorrow." And and Hollem goes, "I'm sure it will." Mm. And you get you get the impression he has elected rather than allowing the crew to like lynch him that he is going to do it himself yeah but he continues this quite convivial uh congenial sorry conversation with blakeney while he picks up a cannonball and he goes you're always very nice to me blakeney thank you goodbye and then he just steps off the side and fucking sinks Six. down into the inky depths and there's this horrifying oh, yeah. shot of him looking up at the camera as he disappears into blackness and you mm. go the dude's rock I ask you now, will you condemn the dudes? <laughs> the, the the New Yorker film critic Anthony Lane wrote, We feel ourselves to be in good company with these men and strangely jealous of their packed and sorted lives. Um, Idiot! G- G- GQ asked, like wouldn't, it feel, like that wouldn't it feel satisfying to spend each day doing industrious and meaningful shipwork? Um, is this it's certainly industrious is it meaningful that like, whether or not this is meaningful is one of the central tensions of the film who fucking hires these people and then they have the fucking gall to turn around and say that film criticism is over looks like it didn't fucking begin actually we're the only ones doing yeah. it yeah <laughs> so, so we yeah, invented uh, it, film criticism we aren't the modern day Siskel and Ebert Siskel and Ebert with a proto kill James Bond <laughs> agreed but yeah it's, right, as, 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 as for <laughs> As former public schoolboy here, mm. I, I relate very deeply to the idea that, like, no, this is a, a regimented, traumatic institution, and it, it is meet to question what the fuck is it doing here? What's what is the point of this system? Mm-hmm. Um, and and the answer is, I guess. Napoleon yeah. question mark I'm sorry if it um, allows for this and has no capacity to like stop this when it's already going. Then it's fucked. Like the system's completely broken. And so, so he jumps uh, Aubrey, out of the airlock. Yeah, he yeah. does. Aub- Aubrey, Aubrey leads the funeral. Um, the uh, all the souls I've encountered in my travels. This was yeah, the most human. Uh-huh, uh-huh, yeah, and there's there's a line in here which, again, right, this is very very personal to me because that like again this. Not with the navy because fuck boats, right? But this was something that I wanted to do, and I used to agonize about whether it was something that I could do or whether it would be disastrous like this. And Aubrey's line about Harlem is simple truth is not all of us become the men we once hoped we might be, which I used to dread, and then it came true in a mm. much stranger way than I could have anticipated. Yeah, yeah, I know exactly what you mean. Um, yeah, no. Simple truth is, not all of us become the men we once hoped we'd be. Some of us become better. Quite frankly, that's (laughs) the tagline for Kill James Bond. (laughs) Uh Yeah, no. Uh, Very, very strange to reflect on. Um, But yeah, I I, I 
watched this for the first time like when it came out i was uh like 12 years old and i was like oh shit fuck i hope i, hope I don't become like that and i i guess not you know um but yeah so at which, at which point immediately immediately after this uh the wind picks back up again so uh, like um Maybe What's he was. Word? I don't know. Hard so, yeah, to know. Yeah, su- superstition vindicated. No further questions. <laughs> curse is real. Oh, yeah. I guess that guy was cursed. All right, moving on. Forget everything <laughs> I said previously. I think he's dead. Yeah, thank Christ. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. Oh, it's actually, We'd have all yeah. felt very silly if he hadn't killed himself and the wind had picked up. Just kidding. We would have picked something else to go wrong to blame him, and then he would have mm-hmm. driven yeah, himself yeah. to suicide regardless, because that's the way the system operates. Love superstition. Dude's um, rock. So, <laughs> dude's rock. Dude's rock. Dude's rock. Uh, so yeah, they, 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 st- wanted, they stopped. <laughs> they stopped being becalmed. Oceans are now battlefields. Mm. Um, Oceans are battlefields again. Yeah, yeah. and thank God. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and so there's an albatross following them, mm-hmm. and Captain Howard. Captain Howard. I tell you, who doesn't come off well in this Howard. movie is the Royal Marines. Um, yeah. The bootnecks. So yeah, no, they. Uh, Howard's just trying to shoot this albatross, and he misses, and he shoots. He Paul hits Bettany. Paul Bettany yeah. with the phaser. Because Paul Bettany's <laughs> running around the deck, looking at the albatross in absolute wonder. Yeah, yeah, whereas, yeah, yeah. yeah. having wonder, and he gets shot. Um, it's fucking shot. Shot in the guts. Mm. Um, and at this point, uh, you know, Higgins, his his assistant medical officer, is like nervous yes. and is unqualified to like mm. fix the fucking ship's doctor who we kind of need. Like, um, fuck, yes. Jack looks through the glass. The Acheron is in sight. They have found it, but Jack lets it go. Yeah, he, he turns he, back to like, the Galapagos. Should we beat to quarters? And he like puts it down. He goes down. He looks at Paul Bettany and he goes, mm. no, we're not doing it. Yeah. Some great sickness makeup on Paul Bettany, by the way. Mm. They really do a good pale. Uh, on this. <laughs> yeah, my boy's looking. Uh, my man's in hypovolemic shock. Mm. Is what the he's self in. surgery scene is like uh, fantastic. Really good pain acting. Doc Holiday from from yeah, so, Paul so, Bettany. So, yeah, yeah this love is half fucking sick. Let's talk about this for half an this hour. Is, this is like male male friendship thing where he like puts the ship. Uh, he like puts uh, everybody ashore in order to do the surgery. Um, where it's not rocking because that's what the uh, the surgeons made his ass for. Dudes are not then... rocking. Yeah, exactly. So he's <laughs> we not around these dudes. And, and then, as 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 Ben at the surgeons made is about to like incise, um, Maturin's like, no, 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 I will do this. I know what I'm doing. <laughs> he says, I do this by my own hand, and then he performs surgery on himself. Hardcore. Which did not hit even slightly to a transgender person like myself. <laughs> transgender yeah. as fuck. I'm sorry. <laughs> he, he 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 makes Aubrey help him, and there mm. is a fun moment that alludes to something that keeps coming up in the book, which is that Aubrey, despite being a, a sort of a fighting captain, it is kind of sickened by the sight of blood in surgery, mm. um, and and so he is like visibly very uncomfortable. And you see, mature notice this about him, uh, and, and sort laugh. of like smile. He to checks himself. in yeah. on him. He goes like, "Are you doing all right?" <laughs> <laughs> While this guy is so, performing yep, surgery yep. on himself. Yeah. Oh, it's so ice good. cold. Mm. It's it's it, this is mm. so like the actual the central relationship between Aubrey and mature right. It it is not frictionless. It is not even healthy necessarily. It plays a central part in reproducing a fucked system, but it is very intimate, mm. right? Yes, um, and, romantic. And as uh, Paul Bettany is recovering from the surgery, which succeeds, um, he's like, "Oh, how long are we? We've got to get after the Acheron, surely." And then Captain Jack's like, "No, actually, let it go. We're going to head home in it's a like couple of weeks." 
Take as much time as you want to go wandering and look at the he's, animals. He's, he says, before peace breaks out, God forbid. He goes, I don't even know if that was the Acheron. Let's head back, man. This kind of yeah, should have been the end of the film, be. I think. Should have been mm. the end of like, well, okay, we've had our character growth, we've learned our lesson. Yeah. But instead, we get to have some fun scenes where Paul Bettany looks at animals, which I love. Yeah, this is this is sweet. Like I said, it doesn't really engage with like novel material, but it, it does mm. sort of do some like Age of Discovery stuff. Which Paul is Bettany fun. Uh, secures the bag in that movie where he played Charles Darwin. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he uh, and Blakeney comes with, you know, and is, is sort of like learns to identify some beetles and stuff. Um, and of course, as he as he goes over the like the last hill in pursuit of this fucking bird. He sees a two-deck frigate with a giant French flag. Shit. <laughs> the Acheron. Everyone's on the other side the of the island, baby. And, uh, you know, both, both men are forced to give up something important to them in order to, like, you know, safeguard the interests of the other. But, and the um, Empire. Because yeah, he has to leave all the samples yeah. and, and let all the animals go in order to run back. So he doesn't get to discover evolution and be Charles Darwin. Um, so he has to he run does, back to the boat. They're dropping all of the fucking um, cages to, le- to leave him. And he looks back and he goes, oh, open the cages. <laughs> like, it's clear that he has given up on bringing these samples back to science. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they go back and they tell Captain Jack, yo, the Acheron's here. And the chase is on. Um, and as they're doing this, we get this nice scene where I think... Um, I think probably Russell Crowe's intention, the character's <laughs> intention in this scene was to come to the cabin and say, thank you for allowing me to continue my, my war. I love you. Um, but yes. instead we just get the scene. He's like, sorry, you won't be able to take your animals back. And he's like, no, it's fine. We did get this one. <laughs> it's, it's the phasmid. It's the Insulindian phasmid. <laughs> yes, I also um, wrote that down. Uh, it's, it's, it's a stick insect that disguises itself. Uh, I hope this doesn't have stick. any like great repercussions for, for you. And he goes, Aubrey goes, Ooh. Aubrey's like, has a fucking idea. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The, he's wily. They're still outgunned, of course. Yeah, so there's a beautiful yeah, yeah. moment I want to highlight here, which is um, with Blakeney. Um, he's doing his like illustrations of a naturalist kind of thing and he draws a seal and we get this beautiful show where he looks at the seal and it goes like <laughs> and he writes arg next to the seal on his notes it's very it's very childlike. sweet yeah it yeah, really yeah. highlights how young this fucking guy is yeah yeah yeah, yeah. Um, anyway. but so aubrey realizes the value of science it makes you better at war he says this more yeah, or less verbatim that, yeah. <laughs> um, oh <laughs> Ah, interesting. Uh, what if we simply disguise the surprise as a whaler? Because mm. uh, we've got whalers on board. We know how to do it. We'll like yeah. set some fire below bo- uh, below below deck, and we'll have it like vent up like it's the rendering works of a whaler. Because mm-hmm. um, the primary difference between the two of them, as discussed earlier, is that it can take more cannons and it can fire its cannons further than the surprise can. So by yes. drawing it in. You you get rid of that advantage. Mm-hmm. You can just fire a point blank on it. Exactly. That's yeah, right. Very cool. Nice. Um, they movie. even put on costumes. Yeah, yeah. The, fa- the fake whaler. Yeah. The fake whaler. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, and we see him arranging stuff and sort of like briefing ahead of time. And he gives Calamy, the sort of like 16 year old, uh, command of the boarding party. Um, and his, his first officer. Uh, pulling, so he, we we know that he has served with and, and come up with. Uh, it's like, are you sure about this? Is he is he not too young? Are you sure he's ready? And he goes, were you ready? 
And it's like, oh, okay, yeah, no, this is just the, it's the generational trauma show. Like, mm -hmm. we just, th these, all of these guys were doing this shit when they were teenagers, uh, and are now doing this to, like, teenagers further. And bizarrely, the only way out of this thing is through finding out about stick insects and then discovering evolution. And, mm. yeah. Um, again, leads you to sort of more profound stuff. Anyway, and, trauma. And Blakeney um, is disappointed that he won't be in the boarding party. Because yes. Calamy says, no, you'll be staying behind. I've decided not to take you on the away team because it's bad. You're too yeah, young. Because, you, because you're too young to be, a, again, child officer. Um, um, and Blakeney, Blakeney complains to the captain and the captain's like, no, I'll give you a special job instead, young man. Like, well, you'll sit on Santa's knee when I go aboard the enemy ship. How about that? Or like, Still very much in the battle. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, um, yes. Stay on board and you'll take command of our ship when I'm on the other one. How about that, son? And it's like, oh, great. That's nice. Um, Acting captain, he goes, Whoa, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> so, so at this point, sit in the chair and everything. Yeah, Aubrey <laughs> sort of anticipates the Q ship, um, which is a first world war invention. Um, I thought you meant like they, from the continuum. I was like, what? Like, <laughs> like John, <laughs> John Delancey is, is gonna be in this fucking film, is he? <laughs> uh, they, they were they were disguised as. It looks like an ordinary whaling vessel, but if you get too close, you'll find out. It'll blow it's actually, your fucking face off. It's actually King uh, George's finest, you or yeah. Edward, or whatever the fuck it was. <laughs> and, uh, and that's my two guesses. King, I'm sure it's one of those. King King, uh, King George, I believe. Hey, um, wonderful. It was actually King Victor. It was that weird two months where we had him. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> So, the plan works perfectly. They, yeah. they lure the Acheron in. We, we hear a French voice, Frenchly being like, eh, Yeah, this is where yeah, the disgusting the French, French accent. <laughs> the vile French. Bro, sounds like me during the OSS 117 episode intro. I, I do not have healthy male friendships. Mm. It's like, ah, but you fucking this stop running like, away. Monty Python ass shit like this. Yeah, <laughs> genuinely, it's, yeah, it's, it's unbelievable. Um, <laughs> so, might as well say, the French roll up. Uh, yeah, they roll up on them. Yeah, and and and, and, it, and it works. We get a they let it fantastic bark. scene. They do. They, they do. don't hesitate to let it bark. Mm. Um, did, I mean, Blakeney is forced to kill, apart from other things. Mm -hmm. Maturin is forced to fight. Well, hang on a minute. Um, Let's get beat by beat here. So the French, yeah. the French okay. roll up. Um, Let's make this a three-hour episode. Yeah. Let's do it. The they French roll it, up, frankly. and the boys spring yeah. the trap. Uh, they yeah. they fire. Mm. They they topple the mainmast, um, and so they they successfully like knack at the Acheron. Um, mm -hmm. The boarding party they take down its warp core or something. Yeah, they yeah. do. Well no, no, well, no, that would cause an anti-explosion. Well, we, we've explosion, had scenes earlier where they were engined. Like... It's engined. Yeah, no, 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 they don't. Well, they 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 get through the shields, right? Um, at which point the boarding uh -huh. party beam over. Um, but the French uh, have a trap of their own because they're all pretending to be dead. Um, this and is then the they all, one in the book, quite then frankly. they all spring up and like, ah, we are not dead after all. We have fooled you. And then they have a battle. And my notes say, so this battle sequence is one of two things is happening. Mm. A, this is not filmed and edited very well, so I can't tell what's happening. Or B, there is a deliberate choice to do that because this scene is meant to be chaotic. And I, I think second. I strongly think second. Yeah, yeah. It would be weird I, if they got was, everything else right. I was really fond of this one. Um, I, I, I thought that was really well done that you cannot tell anybody apart. Uh, it's sort of like very short kind of shots of brutal violence and sort of like mangled bodies and stuff. And yeah, no, it's 
very difficult to follow. You don't know who's who's really winning. Yeah, um, as you say, Blakeney and, and Paul Bettany do have to beam over, and then they they have to take out the French gun crew. Um, and then like, Maturin they have like to kill. runs a guy through with a sword. Yeah, Maturin's a like, fencer, is, which is quite fun. He is again the truth of the truth yeah. of the books. He's a duelist, you know. Tiny um, French uh, version of Bettany takes out one of the crew gay lovers. Yeah, oh, yeah the, the bad guy uh, Nagel, Nagel yeah. gets got yeah. by a tiny French child. Yeah, tiny the, sa- the, sa- child. the sailing master like- also gets gets got. Yeah, he mm. gets phased um, right in the right in the eyes, right in the fucking um, forehead. And mm-hmm. uh, at this point, the captain is like, "Well, it looks like we've kind of won, but where is where is the Romulan captain?" Um, mm. And he, we learn, is in is in sick bay. Mm-hmm. Um, he's dead. Uh, yeah, yeah, he's yeah. dead. There's, 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 there's a doctor. There's a, there's a French mature in there who's just mm. like, as the captain has died badly. Mm. Uh, <laughs> he, 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 wanted, <laughs> he wanted you to have his soul out of loyalty. Shit his pants before he died. Yeah. Yeah. You get a real and, sense that Aubrey is like genuinely quite desperately upset mm. that he hasn't had a chance to talk to the captain because he's yeah. walking around a ship being like, is, is anyone here the captain? Please, I'm a big Christ. Fan. I've seen all his videos. <laughs> he yeah, even yeah. gets a Like, he goes into the captain's room and a guy under the fucking table tries to kill him and he goes, are you the captain? And the guy goes, no. And he just, like, lets him go and just... The guy he throws re- his dagger out the window retreats and retreats back to under the table. <laughs> yeah. He's like, "Where's yeah. the fucking captain?" And we find that yeah. he's died. Captain, yeah, he's he's dead. Uh, so so they take Acheron as a prize, um, and he promotes Pullings as first officer to to captain. Um, gives him command of the prize. But sadly, uh, um, but Peter, what's his face? Died. The leader of the boarding party, the six-year-old, he yeah, died. Calumny, yeah. The first officer, Riker, he died. Um, Dominic Monaghan, who is in this movie, we didn't mention him at all. He's also dead. Um, he was the guy who he, he was driving. He was the ensign who was driving the ship. Yeah. Um, and the so guy who the, never mentioned Billy Boyd's yeah. in this as well, and he, he does yeah. a great job <laughs> as well. Wait, did I get my Dominic Monaghan's and my Billy Boyd's mixed up? You might have gotten your Billy Boyd. I think I did. Up. That's so embarrassing. I'm so sorry. Um, oh, that, I, I, no, no, you're right. You're right. That is yeah, Billy Boyd. Like... Fuck. <laughs> ah, I got. I, I, I pippened when I should have married, or I married when I should have pippened. I'm sorry. Ah, <laughs> so many cases. Um, the guy who was flogged also dies. Um, and then my notes say Blakeney stitches up Peter, and they do him like Bin Laden. They do do him they like do Bin Laden. Laden. Uh, to, to be turned into corruption. I kind of want to be the, done by the him. Service of the dead. Yeah, be done, like, this one. Long. This one actually did make me kind of want to be buried at sea. I'm like, oh, you're right. Being buried at sea, it's it, it's a good prayer, is the thing. The Church of England gets uncharacteristically martial when it's uh, like at sea. Um, yeah, I thought about the concept of whale falls, and I think it'd be nice if I was one. You know, you gotta get buried at sea. Yeah. Uh, but uh, I yeah, guess I have so spent a lot of my time underwater already. Handing right, a lot collective of sea burial humus back to the the. Uh, it's the most like returned to the earth kind of thing you can do mm. is like you're you, you got to do it now. with like full for me full like now. stolen valor honors. Oh yeah, hundred percent. Like you're an admiral with the yeah. pipes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but yeah, so it's so again like you look at this kind of like butcher's bill as Aubrey says for this, uh, including the you know sixteen year old or whatever who is cut down before he can become like Aubrey. Um, and and you go, is this a movie about how dudes rock? Is this a movie about how this is a sort of a healthy aspirational thing? Um, you know, I I think perhaps not. These dudes don't um, seem to rock, but um, as you say, he gives the Acheron to Pullings, promoted to captain, and then they part ways. Uh, he's like, well, well, we'll see you back in England. Um, and as they go, they play some more music. Um, 
And uh, then Paul Bettany makes this offhanded comment like, oh, I feel a bit sorry for them. The only ship's doctor they've got is, is Higgins, my guy, who's, uh, who's, you know, not really all that great. And then uh, Captain Jack's like, oh, no, they've, they've got the French doctor too. And Paul's like... Yeah, suppose him, weird accent. Yeah, Paul's like, <laughs> no, no, he's been dead for months. I've read the ship's logs. He died of fever months ago. And they're like... Mm, you're like... Da, 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 da. Wily. What? This you what? Wily piece of motherfucker. And he's like, God damn it, that fucking doctor gave me the captain's sword and surrendered. He was the fucking Romulan he captain. He was the captain. <laughs> it's, a fucking, it's a classic Romulan pulling boy. over there. <laughs> I've just said pulling the- over there. He's fucked Oh well, let's go ahead and be let's a Let's go after them, yeah. So the Galapagos yeah, yeah. will have to wait because it's fucking warp nine after the Acheron. Let's fucking go. Asteroid Commander 2 will come and then it doesn't oh. ever. And it ends with a joke, which is, you know, the, the, the bird you're looking for is flightless. It's not going anywhere. And and their <laughs> friendship sort of like rekindles yeah. over, uh, you know, it, it, in service to Empire, um, which is... I think maybe more ambivalent than, you know, I, I think had they had the thing that I wanted, another 20 movies, to work that one out, I, I don't know, I think you could have gotten something really interesting there. Here, as, as an introduction to a franchise that never came, I, I find myself, having talked it over with two of my best friends, kinder and better disposed towards it mm. than, than I had gone in. I was expecting to go in on this, having seen it being like, this is... Literally unwatchable. Why does he pick up the port instead of sliding <laughs> it across the table? Um, but uh, no, no, no. It's it, it, it's interesting. It's it's. A, I think it's a very well done distillation. It's a bad adaptation, but I think it's a good movie. Yes, is is my contention on it's, this. It's, and I, it's a good movie if you haven't read the books. I think, and which I haven't. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. to be honest with you, I hadn't seen Master and Commander before this. It, it's one of those movies mm. I'd always meant to do, but since. Yeah. I figured we would do an episode about it at some point. It's one I've been holding mm. off. And I did have a fantastic time with this movie. I had a really, really good mm. time watching it. It is a very, very competently put together like piece of cinema. I, yeah. I like it's, it because staring. just like as an actor, game recognized game, like mm. Russell Crowe and Paul Bettany give like fucking amazing performances in this. And it's it's really nice to not to be too like movies these days is all like superheroes, but you know, no, um, sure. sometimes these days we we cast leading men in particular um, for their looks and their ability to like play a character people already know. It's really mm. nice to have a movie where it like it hinges. You have to have a fucking good actor in this. You could not have just like I won't name names, but like any any old male actor who looks handsome could not play this role. You need no, guys no, who are sure. like fucking good at the craft, and it's it's I nice think- to watch. Something else I appreciate about this is the closeness of its narrative, and that is something that it owes to the books, in that you're not getting away from the ship, right? And it's it's not quite like some of the other stuff we've seen, like The Edge, for instance, which is like, oh, this is a, like a playwright's movie where it's been like sort of written for a stage. No, no, it's it's like very, very keen to like put you in this like closed system and investigate that system. And it's quite a like a holistic way of doing that. Um, which which I really really like, uh, and I think you there's too much temptation to as for writers particularly to jump away from these things and to contextualize these things. And the the furthest context you get in this is uh, you know beyond the opening shots is it's that one shot of the anchor while they're while they're playing together. Mm-hmm. And I'm like, yeah, no, this is this is really really good to keep the focus in that tightly mm-hmm. on on this one kind of. 
this one community, this one sort of piece of England at sea. Um, yeah, because that's a direct comparison that the that um, Aubrey makes to, before before the final fight is that like, listen, we are here to fight for England against France. We are all English. This boat is England. That boat is France. This is a microcosm of the entire war, and that's how he like gets everyone excited about it. Yeah, and then, meanwhile, there's me being like, well, you know, Napoleon, he's like, do you want to see a guillotine in Piccadilly? And I'm like, well... <laughs> Good question, brother. Napoleon, Napoleon had a complicated historical legacy. Um, and it, <laughs> you know, obviously, I, at some I, point, I'm sure. We're all very much yeah. on Paul Bentley's side, I think. <laughs> yeah, well, literally, yes. Sometimes yeah, you sort of understand mutiny when the, the people in charge of your environment that you find yourself in are making decisions that you don't agree with in any reasonable way. There doesn't seem to be any way to hold them democratically to account. Sometimes you feel like, you know, mutiny or, or armed resistance even control would that be environment, uh, also own justified slaves. even. Yeah, I don't know. How's w will you condemn uh, Abel Seaman Nagel? I will yeah. never condemn Nagel and, and there's no point trying to get me to. <laughs> <laughs> Nagel exists within a historical context. Um, yeah, it's one of no, these things you have to go back quite far in time to 1805, no. even to really yeah, so see the like, start of this. Anyway, sorry. Are we going to scum I, I, this, no, I, or is this a bonus? Well, I think so. I mean, the thing is, just by this way is a bonus. of oh, then no. cl closing remarks, I've, I'll, I'll say that this for me articulated something that I've I've tried, I've seen attempted in a lot of war movies um, to varying levels of success. I think this clarifies this. I would say about as well as I see, I've seen, um, which is um, Generation Kill kind of did this as well, which is war can be fun, uh, it can be stirring, it, it you know has these very strong, typically male friendships, um, but what you're using them to survive uh, is you know inhuman at times. Uh, and it, it's kind of like if you had to put a really, really short button on it, it's like dudes rock in the death machine. Yeah. Right? Um, dudes rock I, as a response to being in the death machine to make it bearable, is yes. what I would say. But also, yeah, the, yeah, the yeah. dudes rocking sustains the death machine. Yeah. But the yes, dudes rocking yeah. requires the death machine to exist as a prerequisite. So it must necessarily recreate the conditions of the death machine. Your, your your urge as a dude to rock mm. can be easily suborned by the death machine. Correct. Um, <laughs> and I mean, this is at, at some point very, very soon. Uh, I want us to do a film called Fury, because I think Fury is the first and most influential fascist film of the 21st century. Uh, I think it's absolutely a kind of war film that tries to articulate that and goes, this is good. Right. Oh hell um, yeah! We have this is like this. grimly necessary. It, the, the dudes must rock. Billions of dudes must rock. Um, Billions <laughs> must rock. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Whereas, whereas in this, I, I think it's more ambivalent than people give it credit for. Yeah. And I think it's not. It's it's been f done a disservice. I think it's been flattened by people who go, "Oceans are now battlefields." Yeah, Whoa, it's like Napoleon. Napoleon's not in this movie. Is it, this is a movie about sentence... two nobodies mm. who are in a big tiff. There's nothing yes. to do with Napoleon. Yeah. There's nothing to do with Nelson. They are yeah. half the world away, you're in the Galapagos mm. suffering because you want to be like those people. Also, the phrase yes. oceans are now battlefields is horrible. With Nelson. Genuinely. It's like a yeah. horrible yeah. Oceans shouldn't be battlefields. I love the oceans, mm. and I, I haven't been to many battlefields, but they mainly have bad vibes. Whereas the ocean is lovely. 
and should not be a battlefield. Have. Also, the ocean is most of stuff. You shouldn't yeah. have a yeah, battle on no, most of things. Sixty percent. Most of, of stuff, stuff is battlefields. <laughs> the, most of stuff is battlefields. The vibes can, are mid. This is Master Commander. We cannot Commander. do a shirt with that on it. We cannot do a shirt Master with most of stuff. Master of stuff is Most of stuff is battlefields. The vibes, vibes are mid. Is mid. <laughs> <laughs> this is Master Commander as rewritten by a woman millennial. Mm. Um, <laughs> We'll make the sequel to this, sure, whatever. Oh my god. Listen, listen, give give me, I'm speaking directly to Hollywood here, give me infinity million dollars. Give me the MCU money. Give me every actor in the world. I will make you the Aubrey Maturin series. I will cast Abby as Diana Villiers. Um, Shandy and- Bender, I'll be Aubrey, I don't give a shit. I just want to be one of the crew. I don't even need to say anything, I just want to be there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, people people keep talking about doing a sequel. When they talk about doing a sequel, they often talk about adapting the reverse of the medal. Do not fucking adapt the reverse of the medal. The main emotional hit of that is dependent on you having read another, like, 17 books. Um, but, you know, pe- people also talk about doing a prequel, which, yeah, fine. Listen, my message to Hollywood, do it again and do it properly and put me in charge of it. Thank you. Goodbye. Um, <laughs> sign up to, if, like, a billion of you sign up to Nebula, we could make that happen. <laughs> we can do this. Yeah. My okay, next project fine. after Dracula's ex-girlfriend is like a sequel to <laughs> Master Commander. Master We're like really <laughs> leveling it up here. Uh, it's Mistress uh, and Commander. I mean, listen, they made this for 150 million dollars, which is a lot of money. But when you look at how much it costs to make Ant Man fucking like go up inside a dude's urethra mm. or whatever, mm. it's, no, it's a bargain. It's, it's cowardly. To be honest with you. Mm, yeah. Mm. Uh, but yeah. So. I guess, unless anyone has any closing thoughts. We should say thank you for five million downloads. Thank you. You know yes, which dudes do much. rock gender neutral? All of you. Yeah, it's, it's yeah. an honor, it's an honor to be your commanding officers. Uh, we hope <laughs> that you continue to have a parasocial relationship with us. Always remember that one time that we asked you to pass the salt. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, I, I met Alice after a live show, and I always remember the thing that she said to me. Uh, get the fuck out of my way. <laughs> I buy one drink for one person per live show, just trying to gin up these kind of conversations about me. <laughs> no, no, I you don't, I don't need a boat cloak. Of my grog. love for podcast mm. keeps me warm. <laughs> <laughs> Having to like, like execute one of the hogs to save the podcast because they're acting as a sea anchor? <laughs> if you come to one of our live shows and act as a sea anchor, it's fucking over for you. <laughs> Never act as a sea anchor at one of our shows. Uh, oh, okay. Yeah. Th- thank you. Thank you genuinely, though, for mm-hmm. supporting all of us to make it possible to do this. Uh, we hope you enjoy it. We will be back. Uh, yeah. what, this what kicks hell? well. This movie kicks off the start of the holiday season for Killer James mm. Bond. So the next ah. free episode is Die Hard 2, which is a Woo. Christmas movie. It's a Christmas And then movie. after that, it's Goldfinger with no notes. Jesus so Christ. So pray for us. As <laughs> <laughs> we try to recall a James Bond movie where James doesn't do anything. Yeah. Apart from rape women. Mm. That's, that's right. all he does in that movie. That's, that's, that's it. Uh, thank you so much for listening. And we will see you next time. Permission to disembark. You. Yeah, permission granted. You know, there pipes piping, Piping ashore, yes. Uh, uh, rum. <laughs> <laughs> Bye, everyone. Bye. <laughs> See ya. 
thank you for listening to yet another episode of Kill James Bond. I'm going to get right into this because we've got a long list and I'm extremely grateful to all of you. Thank you so much for giving us 5 million downloads. Um, and that's just on Podbean. I don't even know where that pulls that from. I don't know if that counts for listens on Spotify. I don't know if that counts for Apple Music. I don't know what that even means, quite frankly. Um, but a five million is fucking tons. So if that's not even all of it, that's fantastic as far as I'm concerned. Um, and thank you, first and foremost, to everybody who has ever supported our show even if you've just shared it with someone if you've never given us a penny like you have been fantastic thank you thank you from the bottom of my heart for making me able to do this as a job it's it means the world but i would be remiss if i didn't thank especially our 15 pounds and above patrons um and those are low beyond's daughter candy fox freya aloysius Bitchy Cat Wizard, Gustavo Lira, The Norwegian One, Thief, Robin Mienji. Uh, I definitely got that wrong, whatever. Let's go ahead and save us all a lot of time here by saying if I get any of these wrong, please just message me a, a correction. I will incorporate that going forward. Thank you. Jack Holmes, Mike Berg, Hannah Oberhart, Nick Boris, Power Dad, Nate Mori, George Rohat, Kentucky Fried, Kami, Drone Lover, Yarrick, Melody, Melo Gonzalez, Labor Delenda, Est, Callum, Bernie, Jay, Martindale, Trip, Library Hitman, Max Game and Heart, Jonathan Gerd, Mothman, Beef Crime, Jack Drummond, Kit Divine, Top O, Steve Widdishins, Maeve, Alaya, Rosie Can't Fail, Helps and Horses and Men. That won't help you on the high seas, will it? Claire, Forrest L. Novell, uh, The Project Project, Lenina, uh, Emery, Commissar Rosimandius, Just the Worst, Hell, A Trans Robot, Joyce Uwu, Zan Hutchin, Lexibomb, Violet Cyber, Isopod Gal, Annie Ruby, Fresh Raspberry Jamming, Katie Brobst, Bratsukat, Bronan, Clarification, Noblesse Oblai, uh, John2089, Connor's Cool Big Sister, Sergeant Jackram, Sengshen, Alex, Liz Nash, and Florinda, Corvid, Florinda, interesting, Corvid Cultist, Wolscott, Quinn Valeri, Grendel Growls, Al Irwin, Wolfie, Philippa Smith, Brackets, Fruity, Finn Ross, Robert Greensmith, Electrover, Cyber Puppy, Abigail, Loz Pycock, Mega Combi, Emily, Queen of Sloths, Percy, Shit and Die Alone, Josh Simmons, Zoe Shepherds, Vey, uh, Talkative Tiger, Lauren Bastin, and for everyone who comes after this point, um, I believe that you may have been being cut off by the Patreon thing. It only shows a hundred names, and I never assumed that we would have more than that. So everyone who comes after this point may have been supporting us for months without a shout out. So I want to be very, very clear that thank you so fucking much to Jordan Y. Clemente, Norgi, Morgan Bird, Dr. Crispy, Aiden Brumsicle, Mitchell Kerno. Paris Rittenur, that's definitely not right, but fucking whatever. Finn, Friend Computer, Colton Mainaker, Connor Lung, Northernly, M. Keebler, Evelyn, your man in Japan. <laughs> Why would you give me fucking something like this? <laughs> Some sort of table building society, I don't know. Uh, <laughs> send me a pronunciation guide for that, thank you. Uh, Sebastian Sangverazi, Calvin H. Fry, send me a pronunciation guide for that as well, thank you. Rad Rat. <laughs> I don't know, shit. Uh, Aussie Tapio. Noah Suarez Sykes, a beautiful man and the designer of the pins that I'm sure you will have bought by now. 
uh, Sarah Halpin, just this guy, you know, moth-covered rock, Chris Buck. Oh my Jesus Christ, I shouldn't have tried to do all of these while I was uh, drunk. Chris of some kind, Jack Fennell, uh, Fennell probably, Christopher Wu, Ian B. Amazing, Marco Nation, Eleanor Reeves Blumpede, Oliver Jackson, um, Thomas Shaw, Annette Roll History, Mistress Angela Ailis, Reynolds, Brett, Mysterious Corsican, and Azria or Azria. Thank you so much, and I'm sorry for all of that. So, uh, yeah, Kill James Bond is Alice, Abigail, and Devon. This is five fucking minutes long. Alice, Abigail, and Devon. Our producer is the wonderful Nate Bethay. Our editor is the beautiful Mr. Thomas Obani. Um, our website is by Tom Allen, and our art is by Matty Lujanski. And fucking here's to five million more, huh? Here's to five million fucking more. Mwah. I love all of you.